Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's mentally yours from Ellen and a Focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret It's mentally, 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 mentally yours Mentally yours Mentally yours Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. My name's Ellen and today we're doing a special episode for World Mental Health Day with a conversation with Rachel Boyd who works at MIND. World Mental Health Day is a day for global mental health education, awareness and advocacy against social stigma. It's run by the World Health Organization, so we're celebrating here at Mentally Yours along with others in 150 countries. This week's guest is Rachel Boyd. We're going to be chatting to her about how we're doing with the general conversation around mental health, what work still needs to be done, and how far we've come when it comes to talking about mental illness. Also, this year's theme set by the World Federation for Mental Health is young people and mental health in a changing world. So we should probably have a chat about that too. Rachel, the reason we brought you in today is because we're doing a special episode for Mental Health Day. So I wanted to kind of ask, how are we doing in general in the UK with mental health? Like if we were giving us a kind of report card, what would our grade be? Hmm, interesting. Um, I'm not sure I can come up with a grade exactly, but this is a really, really interesting time for mental health in the UK and, and globally as well. We are seeing unprecedented levels of people talking openly about mental health. We've had the royal family speaking about their own experience of mental health problems. Um, for the first time in the last general election, mental health was on every single party's manifesto. And yet we know that there's a lot more that we need to do. So I think, as I say, a really interesting moment for mental health where we have some of the awareness, some of the discussion, and we really need to make sure that we transform that into a better experience for everyone's mental health and particularly for people who have experienced mental health problems. I think you're right. Like over the last 
literally two or three years, mental health has suddenly become a thing that everyone knows about and is talking about. Has that been a positive thing? Does that actually have a real life impact on people who are suffering? Well, certainly from the perspective of working at Mind, I've worked there kind of for five or six years now. And the difference from when I began is amazing. I mean, we were, we were really having to fight hard to get mental health on the agenda. And now people want to talk to us. So it's a great position for us to have a platform for people who have mental health problems and to talk about some of what we know make real differences so access to services um, anti-stigma campaigns some of those things that we really need to work on um, but yeah it's it's changing but I think it's important that we look at how we use this momentum to affect real change in people's lives. Do you think that real change has happened or is happening? I don't think it always just moves in one direction. Mm -hmm. I think that the amount of conversation makes a real difference. We know that from our research that having things like um, storylines and soaps, um, the partnership we have at the moment with the English Football League to raise awareness, particularly amongst men about mental health and celebrities speaking out, that genuinely makes a difference to people. It makes them more able to talk about their own experiences, more able to be open. But... At the same time, what people tell us is that it can be really hard to find support. So once you have spoken out, then what What happens next? And where there have been cuts not only to mental health services, but to big changes to the benefit system, changes around housing, all of the things that affect our mental health, then people really feel that as well. So it can sometimes be quite a contradictory space that we're in as well. Yeah, I think a lot of times we're told, OK, talk about it. It's good to talk about it. But then if you actually need concrete support there isn't the NHS ability to do that a lot of the times or you've got long waiting lists. Yeah absolutely and I think you're absolutely right that talking about it is transformative for lots of people but for a lot of people also they need something more they need something after that conversation and so that's one of the things that we feel is really important that people do have access to those services and people do face really long waiting lists, people aren't given appropriate treatment. There are some brilliant services in the NHS that can really help people who've got substantial and long-term mental health problems, who've experienced trauma and really difficult things, but they're really hard to get to and it can be a bit of a postcode lottery. So so yes, it's difficult for people to get those services. Mm, there's still a lot of work to be done in those areas, I think. There is. Do you feel like the conversation has diluted the severity of like mental health issues in general in terms of I think there are some mental illnesses that are more accepted like anxiety and depression we've spoken about a lot but some of the more the illnesses with more stigma around them like BPD or um, schizophrenia those still aren't really being spoken about as much where do you think we're lacking for those lesser known less spoken about illnesses sure I think it's it's really interesting I think it's one of the the balances that we're always trying to to strike so we often talk about one in four people experiencing mental health problems but that four in four of us have mental health that we mm. need to look after and so there are a couple of things happening in this this area at the moment I guess there's work around how we might all stay well and um, which looks at our general well-being and things like stress maybe kind of lower level anxiety and depression and anxiety and depression are the most common mental health problems so in some sense it's no surprise that we we talk about them more often but you're right that for lots of people mental health problems are complex they're long lasting they require um really substantial treatment over a long time people sometimes have to take medication that can have a big impact on their life over a long period of time and I think certainly around diagnosis as you mentioned like borderline personality disorder there's a huge deal of stigma both in society and also 
in services as well mm. about you know what those people are like to work with what kind of support and help they need so there is a bit of a difference in that by talking about well-being we won't fix the problems for people who've got more substantial needs for support. Would you say there are kind of like two goals happening at the same time then kind of to get all of us thinking about general mental health stress just well-being and then also raising awareness and reducing stigma of those more serious mental illnesses? Yeah at least two goals yeah. those two plus many many others. What are the well. others would you say? Um, I think that to to help us have I, I, an approach to mental health that is about whole people. Mm. So where we do look at things like housing, like the benefit system, like workplace well-being, like our physical activity. So I think, yeah, absolutely stigma is it's really important to address stigma and we have come an awful long way. So Minds Campaign with Rethink Time to Change has seen nearly a 10% change in people's attitudes. And if you, you think about how many people that is who've changed their attitudes, that's that's great. It's yeah, really good news. Safe. And yes, we need to kind of also think about everyone's well-being. But we also need to, to have a, a view about mental health that understands people's lives and their experiences and can kind of listen to them and respond to them in a way that's helpful and helps people change and have hope for a better life beyond their mental health problem. I think sometimes the stats can be a bit confusing because you don't necessarily want the number of people who are experiencing mental health issues to go down because that might mean that they're being kept secret. What other kind of stats we should be looking at or looking towards? It's really interesting because a lot of the statistics around mental health are difficult to understand, they're they're complicated. I think it's really useful for us to get some kind of sense of the picture, partly because the numbers are big. So if many people, if one in four people experiences a mental health problem, then we know that that means it is someone we work with, it's someone in our family, it's someone we go to school with. So it really helps us understand that it exists within our lives, within our society and not as something kind of separate. So I think those are useful. Obviously, there's problems about how you collect them. Do you only count people who've been to a GP or do you talk about how people feel and then you rely on people kind of telling you themselves and trying to describe it in their own words? And I think it's really important that we include people who aren't in touch with medical services because lots of people make that choice and that's fine. Um, I think that... It's also important that we we look at things like some of the the more difficult statistics to look at around things like suicide, Mm. because they obviously tell us something really important about what work we need to do in terms of prevention and supporting people. They can tell us something about who's vulnerable and who needs to have some proper targeted support. Um, And we can also look at things like access to treatment and access to medication, GP appointments. They're all part of a picture, but you're right that we we need to interpret them with care because it might be great news that there are more people going to the doctor or it might be bad news mm. but we need to kind of t- treat them with care to exactly. make sure we get the right information you're not necessarily looking for okay this number's going down so that must be better yeah i think if if the numbers suddenly dropped of people seeking help we would be quite worried <laughs> we yeah, would think definitely. what's what's happening why are people stopping um but at the same time as i've mentioned some of the figures around antidepressant use it's mm. really interesting to look at and think what does that tell us about, you know, is that are those people who are on them for a really long time? Are those people who are taking them briefly? Um, are they 
you know, what, what gender are those people, what age are those people? So those are the kind of things that are useful to understand. And some of that information isn't there. I think we're we're getting better. We're getting some better data. There's mm. lots of people championing that to kind of make sure that we do have that. But it has been missing from a lot of the reporting in the NHS and health and social care services. And I think that's that's a sign of how mental health was viewed to some extent. It wasn't a kind of a number that people were really looking for. Yeah. But I hope it, it will be. In terms of like social policy and legislation, what's happened over the last few years that has been beneficial? I know there have been a lot of campaigns around mental health education and stuff like that. What have you seen that has actually had a genuine benefit? We've seen all political parties start to talk about mental health in a different way. It's, it's on the manifestos and agendas for all political parties. And that's that's really important. Um, and some of the things that they talk about are services, our education, our um, support in people's communities, as well as through services like GPs and more specialised services. What we need to see is the investment and the the money that transforms into actual services that people access. And there's a bit of a disconnect there. So one of the jobs that we feel that we have in mind is to really hold those politicians to their promises around mental health, around things like um, access to talking treatments, community support, beds in hospitals, response times in crisis for people who go to A&E or call 999. So the talk is good. We just really hope it transforms into action and that it makes a real difference to people. Yeah, I think that's the issue we've kind of been coming up against over the last few years is that it's really great that politicians are talking about it and they can win kind of points by mentioning mental health. But it's like we were saying before, if you're telling people it's good to talk, what comes after that? There needs to be some form of support. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really aware that mental health is, you know, it's got a big buy-in at the moment. It's it's trendy for, for lack of a better word yeah. for it. And, you know, for us, that's great. That gives us lots of opportunities to hopefully do some, some really good work that will make a difference. But that is the caution that when people want to be included in that and want to be a part of it, that they have to be doing something real, something tangible. Exactly. This year's theme for World Mental Health Day is actually about young people and how their mental health is being affected by how the world is changing and the internet and all that kind of stuff. What is the situation like for young people in terms of mental health? Um, well, I think, first of all, that what I see in the way that young people talk about mental health is is really hopeful um, that people actually seem to have claimed that space really well for themselves to talk about mental health. Um, I think that, you know, that we hear quite a lot about the dangers and the negativities of the internet and social networking but I actually also think that's really opened up a space for people to talk about mental health to connect with other people as well so it's not all doom and gloom um, and certainly children and young people have incredible ways of articulating their experiences being creative about how they work with their own mental health but sadly services just aren't there so children and adolescent mental health services the level of demand is so high and so outstrips what capacity there is that sadly what we see is that the level of need that a young person needs to be in to get those services gets higher and higher. So people who actually where we could step in much earlier and make a difference in a young person's life where a mental health problem starts to show or some of the experiences that lead to mental health problems like family breakdowns, abuse, bullying, isolation, discrimination, that where we could step in earlier and kind of stop a mental health problem from becoming so substantial mm. that 
we it's just so difficult to do that um but i'm pleased to say that mind is is looking at what we can do in terms of supporting children and young people's mental health at the moment i think there's lots of work that we can do through schools through youth networks people are interested I think children are really happy to talk about mental health and about their feelings and to think about how they express themselves and what that means and how it works in relation to your friends and your peers as well. So um so I think you know it's it's a mixed bag for me. It's it's awful that the services are so difficult to reach and that people need to be quite often in quite high levels of crisis to get any help. But I also feel really hopeful that about the way that children and young people talk about mental health quite often. Um and I think that this generation will will have a lot to show us about how we talk about mental health and how we are open and honest about our experiences. And how open they are as well. Like they're completely fine with saying, I've struggled with this and they can help other people as well. Absolutely. And I think people, you know, young people seem to be having incredibly interesting conversations around things like gender identity and background and belonging and things like that. And they're all things that can feed into people's mental health how they stay well when they struggle what they need so yeah I think eloquence a great words that people are able to talk about mental health in a great way and we just need to help support people to do that what would early intervention look like would that come from part of the school or um is it educating the families or doctors it's all of that all yeah of that. absolutely it's it's always a a whole society mm. approach that will work best and um, so some of the work that we are doing at the moment with children and young people is looking at whole schools so thinking about um, the teachers the parents and the students mm -hmm. as well and thinking about you know that if you have a staff who are conscious about well-being happy to talk about it then that will translate in how it's communicated to school students um, if you have doctors that can refer people to the services that they need or support them well and quickly then that will make a big difference as well um and you know there are so many different kind of youth groups support services peer support services where young people support each other that work really well but it's just about making sure that everyone has access to them when they need it what kind of role do you think education plays in terms of dedicating mental health classes or a curriculum around mental health I think it's, it sets the tone for the rest of your life, really, doesn't it? That if you start off feeling comfortable and confident talking about mental health, then if you do experience a mental health problem, you're much more likely to be able to ask for help, to tell someone what it feels like. You know, that we've talked about that speaking about mental health doesn't erase all problems. And unfortunately, people will still have difficult life experiences or that might lead to mental health problems. But certainly, if you have knowledge about mental health if you feel able to talk openly if you have a sense of your own power and entitlement to support then that can only be helpful I think a lot of parents are just worried about their kids which is a standard thing parents always worry yeah. but what can a parent do if they're concerned about their child's mental health what's the right what are the next steps basically yeah and for a parent a child experiencing a mental health problem is a terrifying idea mm. and Quite understandably, lots of people therefore might shut that down and not want to talk about it. But I think being open and, and available to your children so that they can talk to you is really important. Um, trying to be honest about your own emotions and feelings to your children so they see it is okay to express that and it's safe to do that is, is really important. And if you are worried about a child or young person, there is support. So I think it's always worth investigating You know what your options are what kind of local groups there might be, 
what your GP can help with as well. And there are things like um, support lines for parents so that you've got some space. And I think as well, looking after your own mental health if you're worried about a child because it, it is upsetting and, yeah. and scary and worrying to see a child struggle. It's very easy for parents to fall into their own stress kind of trap. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. In terms of the kind of older, younger people, so maybe people coming out of university, going into the working world, what are the factors that could affect their mental health that they, that generation needs to be aware of? Sure. So I think, you know, for, for children who are moving into education like university, so for people at that 17, 18 years old, there are massive changes, whether you're going to university or going into the world of work, that suddenly there's, you know, a sense of freedom, which can be exciting, but also a bit of a safety net that might be removed. You might be living away from home, for example, um, or looking after your own money, all things that can contribute to, to feeling very stressed and anxious and worried um so and, and obviously we know about a lot of university students might leave university with quite a lot of debts into quite a difficult job market that's competitive where they might be expecting something different to happen than the reality um and also I think as well it's a time where you your friendships and your relationships can be really important too and so it can be quite a vulnerable time and I think that what people should be thinking about is what is your support network? Who are the the friends that you've made recently or childhood friends that you trust? Who in your family is your rock that you can count on? What what about things like if you do move, do you have a GP that you can go to? Do you know them? How does that feel? What support might there be through things like universities and colleges as well? Because that's actually a great place to get some of that support as well. So there are things things to think about. I think having some some really good support networks around you can make a big difference. I think also there's been so much research recently about younger people experiencing loneliness. Yeah. What should we be doing to tackle that? It's difficult, isn't it? And I think that we are in many ways more connected than ever. And yet it would seem also quite lonely quite often. Um, so I think, you know, taking steps to connect with people, whether that's in small ways about having small conversations or taking some time to work on existing relationships. Um, I think that it's important that people are, you know, active as well. It's one of the things that you can do, like to do sport or walking, connecting with nature, for example, can be really beneficial for your mental health and for your sense of belonging to the world around you as well. Um, maybe thinking about about how you kind of want to give back to society as well. So volunteering and work for a lot of, of people, working in a job that you care about and believe in I find that that helpful for That's me definitely helpful. <laughs> yeah so I think um you know to to invest some time and energy in in yourself and how you interact with the world around you can be a good way to combat loneliness and you know if if social media helps great if the internet connects you to people who help you who support you great if it has the opposite effect turn it off for a yeah bit. and actually looking and saying is this time spent on the internet actually making me happy or not yeah because if it's not you can stop it's okay you can and it doesn't have to be forever but just to give yourself a bit of a break can help so obviously every day at mine is mental health day but when it's a big day like world mental health day today what is mine doing yeah you're right every day every day is world mental health day at mine we are 
passionate and committed bunch of people, many of us with our own experiences and mental health problems. So it's really important to us to, to get this right. So some of the things that we are doing across our offices are having time for people to have a conversation, activities around well-being, um, activities around connecting with each other and being able to talk openly if that's what you want to do, as well as all the, the work that we're doing externally as well. So, for example, we have um, a new animation about mental health problems kind of starting from scratch for people who might be quite new to the topic or have not found the language to talk about it yet. We're launching that on World Mental Health Day, which is really exciting. We'll be on social media talking lots about mental health problems, offering support to people, our info line and legal lines as they do all all days will be providing support to people who are deciding to take the step to reach out for help. Um, our Ellie Friends online community will be witnessing some great peer support happening as it does every day. So yes, some of it's business as usual for us. But I think if other people want to do something on Royal Mental Health Day, then it can be from as little as sticking up a poster that in the hope it might start a conversation, taking some time with colleagues or friends to do relaxation or mindfulness activities, chatting to your friends and family, sharing stuff on social media, all of that matters and creates a bit of a buzz around the day and creates visibility, lets people talk openly. You know, it doesn't have to be a day where you suddenly tell everyone your entire truth, but it is a day to get it in people's minds, to think about mental health, to think about mental health around the world as well, and to be conscious that if you are experiencing a mental health problem, you're connected to an awful lot of people, not just here, but around the world as well. If we were talking again next year, next World Mental Health Day, what would you like to have seen changed in terms of government policy and general NHS action? Trying to think what's realistic for a year, <laughs> what's not too utopian. Go for the big dreams and then we'll do the realistic one <laughs> the as well. big dreams. I would really love that people felt able to seek help in a way that felt right for them. So as I've said, that's not always a GP, that might be services like the ones that mind run it might be community support in lots of different ways but that when people go to their gp they have time and space to talk about their experiences they have consideration and discussion with any kind of medical professionals about what the right kind of support for them is whether that's mindfulness exercise medication talking treatments a stay in a therapeutic community Know that the the options are there for people. Um, I'd like to see changes to make things simpler, more straightforward, and fairer for people in the benefit system, the housing system, and the immigration systems to ensure that all of those spaces where mental health problems live in in people who are refugees, who are claiming benefits, who are in really bad, vulnerable housing, that there's support there. So it's maybe a bit much to ask for in a year's time. That sounds sad that you aim for the sky. <laughs> like these seem like basic things that we should that should just be the norm. They should, yeah. Hmm. I agree. And I think that's definitely what we're working towards and we need to we need to be able to paint a picture of what a good system looks like. Um but I think Sadly, I think we might be more than a year away from that. What are the actions that we need to take to get us to that point? Investment from the government. I think some of the work around all the other spaces people live in. So people having access to good quality housing, which we know is so vital for people's mental health. A benefit system that people can access what they are due fairly and without 
you know, awful complications, which there can be when you experience mental health problems, even down to the, the level of information that you're forced to disclose and applications, sanctions that you might face, good understanding in different areas. So in workplaces that people have the support that they need to stay well at work um, or to have flexibility where they do have a mental health problem. I think education, particularly with children, is so important so that we start young to give people the message that it's fine to talk about your own mental health. It's fine to take action to look after your own mental health and that when difficult things happen, there's support available to you. So lots of changes that we can make that are happening. There's great work happening, but just more of it, I think. And on kind of an individual and social level, Mm -hmm. how can we make sure that the progress we're making our mental health keeps going? And it actually has benefits. That's interesting. I think we need to we need to be able to show change happen. Mm. I think one of the things that we find really powerful at Mind is to to make sure that all our work is about real people and their real experiences. So we need to we need to make this not abstract. We need to be able to talk about people and about what's happened to them and happening to them. So um, so keeping it really located in people's real lives is is vital um i think that some of that stuff around stats and data is really important because again it helps us show the direction things are moving in um i think we need to definitely organizations like mind but lots of different people really need to keep mental health on the agenda for people so to keep hammering that point home that mental health is important it's about all of us it's vital that we get it right Thanks very much to our guest Rachel Boyd. Check out World Mental Health Day online at mentalhealth.org.uk. There you'll find that you run tea and talk sessions and have lots of information about self-care and getting support. Thanks very much to our producer Sam Bonham, to Lucy Baker for the jingles. If you've liked this episode, please give us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. You can join us online. We have a safe space for talking about all things mental health on Mentally Yours. It's a group on Facebook, if you search. And also you can keep up to date on what we're up to on Twitter at Mentally Yours, your spelt Y-R-S. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.